we've been uh, looking at a new look at the old book, fresh look at the old book. Um, we've been kind of going through uh, just stories from the Old Testament, stories that even if you're like not, even if you're not, um, you know, a, a, you don't think of yourself as a religious person, you're probably familiar with them in some respects. You've maybe heard of them a little bit. Um, if you have been in church for a long time, our goal is to, to kind of take a different angle, a different look at some of these texts to let, uh, see if, they, if God can speak through them in a different way, in new ways. Um, and today we're going to be looking at, uh, for the first time, we're going to be looking at Abraham. Abraham's, uh, for those of you who are familiar with that name, he's like kind of the father of Judaism, the father of the Hebrews, the first sort of uh, man who, who recognized uh, God as Yahweh and started like this, this, this group of people who would be different, who would be set apart uh, and became Israel. Um, that's a picture of him. We'll, we'll see a little bit about what that means in a second. What I would like you to think about, especially in light of water wars and 50 pounds of tri-tip that have been smoked and, and grilled, uh, you know, what is the deal? This is a question a lot of people have sometimes with church folks. If you're not familiar with church people, you assume that church people are like, they're going around being holy all the time. That's like their job is to go and be miserable and be holy. And, uh, and, and then, so you're, you're curious, you're like, oh, maybe, and so you, you sort of walk in, and what you've really come to know real fast, and if you've been with us for just a little while, you've seen this, and your mind is blown, all church people do is they eat and hang out together. That's like their thing. Uh, when you're, when you're in it, when you start becoming a part of church community, uh, you, you gain, uh, you know, like the freshman 15 at college. I'm at the, uh, I'm at the two year 60, uh, from leading here, um, it's just something that happens because uh, Christians, church people are always eating together, always hanging out. Uh, and if you've been in the church for a long time, you may just, it just might be so normal to you. So like this is routine. You may not even know why. And so there's a question. What's the deal? What's with all this eating and hanging out? Why is that such a big deal for church people? Don't they, uh, don't they have like important things to do, like more praying that they need to get done or reading the Bible or something? Why is it always about eating and hanging out? And to be fair, I would say if our church does anything, we're, we're a little bit overboard on the eating and hanging out, you know, having fun together, not as much, um, you know, reaching out to people who need God's love. But, but that's okay. We're getting better at that and, uh, and, and bless, uh, blessings on our team in Haiti as they try to, um, to, to extend God's, God's love to others. But let's, let's think about that because this is the first text in scripture that really starts to explain and make sense of what has been happening amongst Jewish and now Christian people for, you know, three, four thousand years. And so let's listen for that and hear that, um, as, as we go through the text. This is pretty much just, um, from the Common English Bible. Uh, the translation was so good, I didn't feel like I needed to change much. I, I've tweaked a few things here and there. Um, but for the most part, this is straight out of the CEB. Um, why don't you read uh, with me? Yahweh appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while he sat at the entrance of his tent in the day's heat. Abraham looked up and suddenly saw three men standing near him. As soon as he saw them, he ran from his tent entrance to greet them and bow deeply. He said, my lords, or my lord, if you would be so kind, don't just pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, so you may wash your feet. Or let, let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Refresh yourselves under the tree. Let me offer you a little bre- bread so you'll feel stronger, and after that, you may learn, leave your servant and go away, since you have visited your servant. They responded, fine, okay. Do just as you've said. So Abraham hurried to Sarah at his tent. He said, quickly, knead three large measures of the finest flour and make some baked goodies. 
Abraham ran to the, yes, I did, I, but it really is goodies. I'll, yeah, I'll explain that. Okay. Abraham ran to the cattle, took a healthy young calf, and gave it to a young servant who prepared, prepared it quickly. Then Abraham took a butter or curds, milk, and the calf that had been prepared, put the fruit, the food in front of the three men, and stood under the tree near them as they ate. They said to him, where's your wife Sarah? And he said, well, right here in the tent. Then one of the men said, I will definitely return to you about this time next year. And then your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Uh, just a little background here. Uh, Abraham, um, Abraham's an old guy at this point. Uh, we, we've been, if you're following the, the, the narrative in Genesis, like he, he, we've been with Abraham for you know, 60 years or something like that. He's been wandering around the desert uh, with, his, with his household. He's really probably more like a chief, a tribal chief, or maybe even a, a minor king than anything else. He's super wealthy, has tons and tons of, of, of resources. He's been traveling all around this area, and, and the whole time, uh, all of his life, God has called him out and said, Abraham, buddy, Great news, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you multiply. I'm going to give you a, a child, and, and, and that child is going to have many, many uh, descendants, and you're going to be the father of an incredible nation. You're going to start out something amazing and powerful. Uh, just hang in there with me as, as we go through that. Abraham's walking around. He's getting older and older and older. We learn in this text that his wife Sarah has gotten to the point where she is no longer menstruating. She is beyond uh, the age of having children. So it, it's as if Abraham has lived his whole life under the, the idea of this promise, and, and it's just never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's, he's not going to... It's just like God forgot about him, basically. Now, I want you to, to pay attention, because this is, it's a weird text, and there's some really interesting things that are going on, uh, and they're, they're especially going to help us out next week. This is a two-part series um, to, to get this story. But I want you to look at the very beginning of the text, and notice how weird this is, okay? It says, Yahweh ap- appeared to Abraham. Yahweh is the name of God, so like, God himself appeared to Abraham, right? Well, okay, how did that happen? Well, Abraham's by the large trees or the oaks in a place called Mamre. He's been, like, um, he's set up an altar here, and he's been hanging out here for a while. Um, so he's, he's near his, his trees, and suddenly, three men are standing near him. Now, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with um, the Near East or, uh, you know, what we think of Palestine, modern-day Israel. Uh, is, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a mostly barren place, uh, for, naturally. It's not some place that's, like, naturally lush with lots of, you know, stuff growing. In fact, uh, the reason that the, the text says, hey, there's, there's a, there's, he's by these trees, these oaks, they were probably, a, a, like, a, for a long, for a lot, a lot of area, there were no trees. And so if you were familiar with the area, they were like a landmark, right? So if, if, if Abraham is sitting at, at, at this land, landmark, right, he's looking out. There are no other trees anywhere. Presumably, um, there's like probably a trail of sorts that people use when they, when they travel. And so he's sitting there, and he's looking, and he can see from, from the beginning of the trail all the way uh, to where it ends um, in Sodom, which is a nearby city. He can see the whole thing. And he's sitting there. And he looks down for a second. And he looks up and boom! Three guys are right there. Really close. And what? This is weird. And, 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 and so in Genesis, uh, the, the author is saying, well, Yahweh appeared to Abraham. Somehow, there's this, this two things happening at the same time. Abraham looks up. Three guys are suddenly there. And that suddenly is, in Hebrew, it's like kind of sometimes you get behold or look or wow, wham. There were three people, like out of nowhere. It's kind of like waving hands at it, being like, this is weird. 
And then uh, the, the Jewish interpreters of this text didn't know what to make of it. Our Jewish friends are not, um, they, they, they don't uh, confess Jesus as the, as the Christ and the Spirit, as, a, as the second and third persons of God. So they were really weirded out by this text. Why is it that Yahweh appears and Abraham sees three guys? And as they were translating it, we have um, early translations, the, the Aramaic and Greek translations actually try to make sense of this. The Aramaic translation just adds in a bunch of stuff saying like, there were three angels and they appeared to Abraham or something like that. The Greek translation uh, tries to smooth it out and instead of saying my, my lords or sirs, it's singular. We don't really know what the original text was, whether it was Abraham says my lord or my lords. There's something weird going on here. Something that, there's a very strange notion that somehow God should be there and three people should show up. Weird until you've got Christians. Christians look back at this text and are like, three persons? One God? That sounds a lot like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Yeah, um, so Genesis, this is the first thing here in sheets, um, and we're going to talk more about this next week because we, there, there's something that needs to come from us. Yahweh's appearance to Abraham at Mamre is the first hint in Scripture that God is Trinity. It's the first time, and this is very early on in Scripture, uh, Genesis 18, very early on, that God is somehow three and one. There's this weird thing going on, and we will talk about it more uh, next week because it, it does kind of play into what happens. But, but to, right now, next week we're going to focus on what God does. This week we're going to focus on what Abraham does. So let's go back to the text and see what happened to Abraham. So he's, he's shocked, he's weirded out, three people, somehow God, what does he do? He ran, he ran from his tent, to gr- and he's like 100 years old <laughs> or something, so I mean, I don't know how well that was working for him. Uh, maybe he was in better shape than, than I am. But anyway, he ran from his tent, uh, and he bows deeply. Remember, he's shocked. He should have been able to see these people from a long way off. And, and presumably what would have happened is, I mean, if you know uh, cultures of hospitality, if, he, if he's sitting there, right, it's probably between 12 and 3 p.m. during the day. It's hot. It's the desert. And he sees three people off. What, what is he going to do? Well, he's going to be like, hey, let's, uh, let's get ready. When these guys pass by, we got, you know, something to take care of them. You know, be nice. It's, it's hot out there. They could use a little bit of water, something like that. Um, so normally what would have happened is he would have had his whole household get into gear and prepare for visitors, but because they just popped up, he has to run down to them, like block them off so they don't get too close and realize that, that no one's been making things ready for them. Uh, he doesn't want them to appear as though he's not, you know, generous and hospitable. So he runs down and he stops them. And he's like, hey, don't just pass by. Instead, hey, uh, maybe a little water, right? A little water for your, your feet. You guys are dusty, you're sweaty. Uh, you know, wash your feet with it. Um, some people think that Abraham actually did the, f- the foot washing. In fact, that's um, the, which is possible. It doesn't say that, but it's possible which might prefigure uh, when Jesus um, washes the disciples' feet, uh, feet in the New Testament. Whatever the case, he's like, he's like, hey, wash your feet, refresh yourselves. What he's really doing here is he's buying time. He's like, when you get to the tree, we'll make sure there's some water for you. Hey, we'll throw a little bread your way, you know, something to snack on so you can get strong. Um, and and then, you can, then you can leave and go on your way after having visited me and I've done my part, I've been very hospitable, blah, blah, blah. This is what's going on in Abraham's head. It's that moment, you know, the knock on the door, like, hey, and then was it Christmas vacation uh, when, when Chevy Chase like opens the door and there's his brother-in-law and they've got the, uh, they got the RV and like, hey, Clark, let's, we're going to be here for like a month. <laughs> like, oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, so 
Abraham is, 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 he's, well, it sounds like, what does he sound like? What, what is he doing? He's like, he's like, hey, hey, guys, 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 let me just get you a little water, a little bread. I'm going to have you on your way. What does this sound like? It sounds like, hey, bud, take like an hour, take a rest, and then move on your way. It's 12 p.m. right now. By 1 p.m., you're going to be on your way, on, continuing on your, on your trip, doing, doing what it is you do. Well, if that's what it sounds like, that's not really what's going on. You don't know this unless you have friends from the Middle East. I do. They're here today. Kevin and Manu, Akrami, they're Persian. They're from Iran. They, uh, they, they have a, like a different... So occasionally, Kevin will have like some reason to, to invite me somewhere. He'll be like, hey, Tom. I'm like, yeah. He's like, why don't you uh, come over? We're going to, uh, Brent and Orchid, that's their, their kids. Uh, they're going to have like a little get-together, a few people, just very informal. Just stop by. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll be like, oh, should I bring anything? Like, no, 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 no. Don't bring anything. Just bring your kids and your family. We love your family. Just very, very normal, just cool. Just come hang out. And like, oh, okay, sounds like we're going to hang out with uh, in the Akramis for like 30 minutes. You get there, there's 400 people. There's just mounds of rice and lamb, as far as I can see. A fragrance hits you like a thousand miles away, and you're like, we're probably going to be sleeping here tonight. <laughs> uh, this is, and so you walk in, and like their whole family, everybody in their family is like, oh, let me meet you. And like, you shake a thousand hands, and you get to know a lot of people, and, it's, and everyone's yelling the entire time. There's no, there's no like, it's just, ah. There's, there's a different vibe for, um, for hospitality in, um, in cultures like Middle Eastern cultures and, and some East Asian cultures and some African and South American cultures that we don't really get here in the U.S. Like, we're, we're like, <laughs> the last thing we want to do is have people come over. We have, like, our own little castle, and we just stay inside. My castle has a 65-inch 4K TV. I don't need you. I've got that, right? <laughs> Um, but in the Middle East and in, 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 in cultures like that, they're like, oh, just come over, no big deal, it's just going to be fine. Uh, and, and then suddenly, bam, you're a part of something you have no, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is Abraham's guide to hospitality. And rule number one is you under-promise and over-deliver. This is always, this is, so, Kev, so Kevin's like, hey, yeah, we've got a couple, you know, maybe a kebab or something. And suddenly, like, there's like a, like a lamb being butchered right in front of you. And they're, like, putting it on the spit. You're like, oh, this is serious. Under promise, over deliver. Hey, guys, just, you know, rest for a little bit. Um, take a load off. You know, we'll have you back on the road in 45 minutes. Nope. nope. Let's go on with the text to see uh, what, what happens next. They responded, fine, do what you said. All Abraham's getting to is yes. He's like, it's no, it's no big deal, just say yes. Once you've said yes, you're in, and you've got to take part. So Abraham hurries to Sarah, his wife. He's like, quickly, knead three large measures of the finest flour and make baked goodies. Uh, goodies, the, the, it's really like um, bread cakes, right? Uh, they, they are sweet. Um, it's a very nice thing. And I, I've never baked bread, but I think it takes a while. Um, I don't know. So Abraham's like, woman, bake. This is a very patriarchal culture. That's in, in our house. Aaron would open the door and be like, Tom, grill. So, so it's not, this is, 
Don't be angry at Abraham for being a sexist. That's just kind of how it was. Um, and, the, and, the, and so then he's like, remember, Sarah's like 100 years old. Or so she's like ancient. So he's like, he's like, I need you to get three large measures, three uh, seahs is the Hebrew there, of, of, your, of our best flour. You might be wondering, how much is that? Well, it's only three guys. So, I mean, you don't have to do too much. This would actually make probably about 25 to 50 pounds of pastries. Like, I mean, really, if, if, you, if you look at, he's basically told her, uh, we're going to be feasting for like a week, and we're going to need uh, cake for it. So get to work. I mean, it's an enormous amount, enormous amount. Because remember, bread's kind of light, so to get to 25 to 50 pounds, you've got to have a lot of it. So yeah, yeah, that's a tall order there. Now, it's not just Sarah doing it. Remember, he's, Abraham's a rich guy, so he's got lots of servants. And she, he says, Sarah, you do this. And she's kind of like, all right, friends, let's get to work. And they're at the, and all the, all the while, the, the three guys are kind of like taking their ease. They're starting to wash. And Abraham's like, geez, I hope we get this thing. Hope we pull this off. So then he runs to the cattle. He takes a healthy young calf, a tender choice young calf, gives it to a servant who prepares it quickly. I mean, it's a serious thing here. Remember, there's three guys that he's trying to feed. Now, yeah, granted, like a a full-grown cow would probably feed like, you know, 250 people. A young calf, on the other hand, much smaller for a much smaller party, is going to feed 75 to 100 people. Okay, so he's got the servant and the, and the servant's there with the other butchers and they're just flaying this thing, like cutting it all up, getting, I mean, you know, literally probably 75-ish pounds of, of meat. Um, remember, we have 50 pounds of tri-tip, which is supposed to feed all of us. Okay, and Abraham's doing this for like three guys. All right. Next, he takes butter and milk and the calf. He puts the food in front of them and stands under the tree near them as they eat. I mean, you can just see the, like, he's like the, he's like that, like, you like it? How is it, fellas? <laughs> right? <laughs> Remember, they're, uh, this ancient world, so they're, they're laying down to eat. They recline to eat. And so they're under the, the tree. They've, they're refreshed. They're washed. They've, they've taken a shower or whatever. And, and they're, they're just like, you know, sampling baked goods, cakes, and, and, you know, fresh meat. And he's, he's standing over him. And it's like, oh, boy. You like that Iron Chef? Iron Chef Gauntlet? Solid show. I love watching cooking shows. Um, my favorite right now, our most recent favorite is Iron Chef Gauntlet. It's awesome because um, in this show, uh, these professional chefs are like, they're just berated. Uh, they're, they're like, they're trying to have other chefs think that they're good enough to become Iron Chefs. And so it's always like this really intense moment where they've, they've slaved for an hour trying to put together this amazing dish. And then they stand up and they're like, like, oh. We got the picture of, of, of the, oh, oh. Their hands are shaking. They're nervous. Like, what's it going to be? Is it good enough, chairman? That chairman guy, he's funny. He's like, all, he, he has this like really serious, like, what did you prepare for me, chef? Like, unacceptable. That was a terrible choice. You shouldn't have used basil. Like, Basil, how could that be? It's awesome, awesome show. I love the way that they humiliate people. That's kind of where Abraham's at, where he's like, he's sitting there and he's like, Chairman, what do you think? What do you think? Does this at all sound like what you normally do when you invite people over? 
Or even, or more realistically, when someone shows up at your house, it's like, hey, can I come in and hang out? The last thing you're going to do is act like Abraham acts. Like he's, he's, he's gone bonkers. There's an indication that maybe, you know, th- this is just his modus operandi. He's a wealthy dude. And in, in the world that he lives in, he doesn't get a lot of strangers. It's a lonely place, uh, being out in the desert with all the, the flocks and whatnot. And so it's probably very uncommon for, for, for someone to come knocking. And so it's just his practice to, to go over and above and to treat even an uninvited guest like royalty. That's the next thing in your note sheets. His uh, rule number two for Abrahamic hospitality, is make them feel like royalty. And really, if you're reading this um, in, in Hebrew or you're in the ancient world, but what he does is what you would do to prepare for entertaining a king or a queen or a sultan. That the way that he's acting is he's acting as if like a king or a queen had come to his place and he's, and he's providing for them as you would with that great honor. So what happens? So he's been standing there. He's like, oh, you guys like it? They're like, yeah, it's, it's great. Are you sure? Okay. This is weird. This is awkward. This also happens when you're uh, with um, the Akramis. Where uh, every time, because they assume that because I'm white, I don't know what lamb tastes like. And so when I have uh, food with them, if we go to like Hatam restaurant or something like that, uh, they have all these different spices. I think like jasmine and all these. It's very, it's, it's different. And so they're always worried. Do you like it? Is it good? And so it's hovering over you, like, dude, I'm just trying to eat. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, just, this is America, personal space. <laughs> so, what, and then what happens is, is as, as, they're, as they're doing that, and, and you like the food, then you start to talk about other things, right? And they're like, how's your family? And, oh, our family's doing this and that. And, 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 and then you start to get closer to each other, and you start to, uh, like, the barriers start to fall down. Like, like, you start to get to know one another, right? And, and so, presumably, something similar is happening with Abraham and the three visitors, which is God. Somehow, uh, there's, like, barriers breaking down between Abraham and, and God. And, and then, so God... And these three persons says, hey, where's your wife Sarah? You know, we've heard about her. And Abraham's like, oh, she's right here in the tent. And then God says, I will definitely return to you next year. And when I do, you will have a son. For something like, I mean, for, the, for three quarters of his life, Abraham has been wandering, following a promise that he's going to be the father of many nations. He's done some crazy things to try and make that thing come true. He's, he's, um, he's had a child with, with one of his uh, wife's servants in order to make that thing come true. And, and every time, God's saying, Don't, you got to trust me. But God doesn't give him anything. God doesn't let him into the divine plan. God doesn't explain to him what's going to happen or what ought to happen. In fact, everything Abraham does, he's just taking it on like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess I'll just keep going because at this point, I can't even go back. And for the very first time, after decades, God says to him, in one year, it's going to happen. The next two to three months, you and Sarah do your thing. And a year from now, when I come back, you'll have the boy I promised you all those years and years and years ago. 
I don't want to spoil too much from next week, but I do want to just add one more piece of of, of just kind of what's happened between Abraham and God as a, I don't want to say as a result, but in light of um, this this hospitality that Abraham's shown. Um, And so if you drop down in Genesis 18, uh, this is after the party, after the feast, and the three men, God, um, they're walking off towards uh, Sodom, which is their destination. It's a city down the road. And Abraham's sort of accompanying them. And in the midst of this, you know, uh, God actually kind of says to himself or thinks to himself uh, this, this right here. Then Yahweh said, should I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? It's a rhetorical question, meaning no. I need to let Abraham in on the big plan. It's as if um, there's, and, and really this is big. This is going to be the plan to save the world. All the stuff that God has been promising Abraham his entire life without any understanding. Right now, he finally lifts up the covers and says, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm about. If you've been with us any length of time, you know that humanity has gone from, from up here where God created down into a spiral of disaster. And every time God has tried to come up with a new way to save human beings, they ruin it. And they ruin it over and over and over. And right now, in Genesis 18, at this very moment, right after this feast, God is going to reveal to Abraham what he's going to do about it. He's going to set up an entire plan of salvation that's going to go all the way to the present day. What he's going to tell Abraham is going to have implications for us right now here. So come back next week. It's going to be really, really great. You should check that out. The point is, is that uh, what God has done is he's, he, he's, he's had this moment with Abraham. And suddenly the, he starts to reveal things to Abraham. And, and, and you know what this is like. You know what this is like when you've started to hang out with somebody and eat with them. Your tongue loosens a little bit. A little bit of, you know, you start to get to know each other and you start to share things. Some of the walls fall down. Some of the barriers between you kind of start to recede. It's, and, and suddenly, you start to get closer to somebody. You start to experience what life is like from their perspective. This is Abraham's number three rule for hospitality. Hospitality makes great things happen. Usually between people. In this case, uh, Abraham gets the information he's been waiting for his entire life. He gets to know that it's really going to happen. He's really going to see it. And that leads to some fun things which we'll look at next week. Now, I don't want to get it twisted. Um, you might hear this and like, okay, so the Bible says this is Abraham. He's sort of the paradigm for hospitality, right? He's like, in fact, uh, Christians tend to think of, of Abraham as a hero of faith, right? This comes from uh, Hebrews New Testament where uh, Abraham is associated with faith and faithfulness. Abraham trusted God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, you'll hear. Um, our Jewish friends think of Abraham much differently. They tend to think of him as the father of hospitality, that he's the guy who you look to as the paradigm example of what it ought to be like when we welcome people and host people and bring them into our lives. And it can be a little bit dangerous because if you're following me, then you might start to be really intimidated, right? If you're trying to be like Abraham, you might be like, I'm not sure I want to throw a party for like a hundred people every time someone shows up at my door. And if you take it literally, you might get that sense, like, that's what God's calling us to do. Be like, be like, oh, every time someone shows up, you need to, like, murder a cow. <laughs> like, just go crazy. Tell, you know, whoever does the baking in the house, husband or wife, uh, get back there. I need, like, 30 cakes, stat. You know. 
I think that um, the Bible is trying to set uh, Abraham up as, as a paradigm, but what that looks like is different in every case. And especially here at CBC. So I have a, I have a couple just suggestions for what um, rules of hospitality for us. And hopefully we'll see, see these in action at Water Wars when uh, we go crazy right after the service. Um, so so here, here's just a few thoughts about what it might look like to update sort of Abraham's ethos in a way that's effective and real for people now. This is for us. And so the, the first thing, the first thing, host in accordance with your means. We've been uh, super blessed. Uh, the finance committee, usually very stingy, uh, has appropriated a pretty decent budget for events so that we can host, you know, nice things, right? So it, uh, Steve's laughing. He's like, you're over your budget. <laughs> That's it, dude. Finance committee, they're about to get up pitchforks. Okay, look, I promise things are going to be mostly under budget, mostly. Maybe a little bit over. You just got to look at all of our Christmas stuff. That's actually going to be next year. That'll be next year's expenditures. Okay, great. Just so we talked about that. Awesome. So we've actually got kind of a decent budget. So we're able to do more here um, than maybe you can do at home. If I go to someone's house, I don't expect a dunk tank and a lar- <laughs> Which would, it would be awesome, though. <laughs> They show up, you're like, hey, party time. Uh, I don't expect, you know, the, the, the giant water slide. I certainly don't expect, you know, 50 pounds of tri-tip. Um, I, what, I don't really have any expectations at all. When you're, when you're hosting, when you're trying to bring people in, you just do uh, what, what you can. And yes, this does mean that if you're a person with more resources than the average bear, then maybe you should, you know, help out a little bit. Make things nice for folks. That's not wrong. Uh, it makes them feel special. But if you're a person uh, of modest means, you know, it, it's okay. It doesn't, you don't have to, in order to make someone feel welcome and feel a part of your, of your life, you don't have to go completely berserk. All you have to do is be with. And people understand that. The hard part is like, is like getting out there and being like, let's do this. And then once you have, like, just treat people with respect and kindness. Don't go like the Abraham route where every single event has to be like over the top. The second thing. The agenda is people. Um, one of the things I've noticed, like so in, in my gig, right, um, when I, I like to have lunch and breakfast, um, especially one-on-one with uh, dudes in the church, it's just fun for me. Um, the assumption I think that most people have, is that when I say, hey, we're going to go hang out and have lunch, I think they assume that I'm doing that in order to get something from them. Right? Like, I, so I'll be sitting there, and nine times out of ten, some, the first thing will be like, hey, yeah, uh, sorry I didn't make it on Sunday, you know, like, uh, just, we were super busy. I'm like, dude. Or, um, hey, so I know that we're supposed to be giving uh, a lot, but, but uh, it's just kind of tight right now. And so I'm like, whoa. The assumption is that, um, that a meal or, or, or spending time with people is, is designed to get something. And maybe this is because in our culture, um, we know that how effective personal relationships can be you know, for sales and for um, manipulating people and getting them to do what we want. Uh, it, really, it, really, it really can be. And so we, we may sort of instinctually think that's really what it's about. Is, is like you, so in my case, typically, if I am going to try and manipulate you, it's not to get your money or to show up at church. It's going to be like, I need you to do something for the church. 
That, that's, that's my gig. That's my gig. So like I, there's um, one of our, the, the leader of our connect team, Kristen Livingston. I have never once had an interaction with her uh, where I wasn't trying to twist her arm to do something for me. And so now like when she sees me, she just runs away. It's really cute. And I'll be like, Kristen, what's up? Come on, girl. We're just hanging out. Oh yeah, new ministry for you to lead. <laughs> no big deal. Are you working full time? That's all right. You'll be fine. You're good. You have a lot of energy. Um, and boy, that's just the wrong sort of way of going about people. I understand that uh, in the world we have to do this in order to like achieve our goals and whatnot. But our goal in the church is each other. The goal is to make someone, I mean, Abraham wanted people to feel like a king or a queen. Our goal is to make people feel special. To let them know that they're loved. Um, that this really is a family. And it's not to get X or Y or whatever. Um, sometimes that happens, and that's great. But dude, let's not make people feel like a means to an end. Instead, let's just be with each other, let the walls break down, and let God do what he's going to do. And that's the, the last thing, is that you pray for the Spirit to move. What's really cool about just getting together with somebody and not having an agenda is that God gets to set the agenda. And, and, and weird things can happen. You never know what's going to happen when you sit down with somebody and, and hang out with them. Sometimes they expose themselves in really like wild ways. You're like, wow, I did not know that that was going on behind your eyes. And, they, and there's, like, there's openness that you just don't expect. Sometimes a connection is made with something in common. You're like, no way, you're into that too? Weird. I mean, I'm always praying for someone to be like, oh, dude, I got a new gaming PC. It's like $4,000. Like, ooh, invite me over. I want to play with it. Um, but whatever it is, like you start to find interests and, and commonalities and things that tie you together in a way that you wouldn't have expected before. And it's because you're getting there without being like, I'm, I, I'm getting this out of this person. In fact, I think that um, for, for this event, so we're doing Water Wars, my prayer is that, um, well, certainly that we have fun and get full, but also that, that God will do something surprising. That somebody will be uh, moved and experience something different. That somebody will be uh, engaged in a new way that we don't know what it could be. You never know. What you're really doing is you're setting the space for something to happen. Abraham had no idea that by throwing this party for these dudes, that he was suddenly going to get a timeline on the promise of God in his life. And yet it happened. He had no idea that just throwing a party for these dudes was going to end up with him getting the first insight into God's plan of salvation for the entire world. And yet, it happened. Hospitality is the space that, that we create praying that God will do something great. I gotta get my uh, swimsuit on. Gotta get my bandana on. Gotta get my whistle. Apparently I have a whistle. I don't know what that's for. And Doug wants me to wear like a, a, a referee's uniform. So maybe I'll do that. I don't know. But the point is, is that there's tri-tip waiting and there's a lot of fun to be had. So why don't I pray us out and why don't we go, um, go to war? <laughs> Gracious God, thank you for... Um, Thank you for being a God of hospitality, a God who welcomes, and a God who treasures those who welcome others. God, I pray um, that we as a community will um, be open to one another.
that we'll, um, we'll set each other as the agenda, that we'll um, pray that, that in our interactions and in our time um, eating and hanging out together that um, you'll reveal yourself and that you'll change us and make us different and transform us. God, I pray um, that as we celebrate, that we'll be celebrating you too. That this will be um, a time where we can invite you to be with us as we enjoy each other and enjoy what you've given. I pray that you break down uh, barriers today. I pray that you um, show up in new and exciting ways. That you gather your people as your people. And let us know how deeply loved, you, how deeply loved we are and how committed you are to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.